0: what's going on everybody welcome to the oasis podcast if you're in the knoxville tennessee area we'd love to meet you face to face on a wednesday night at our main park west campus make sure to check us out on social media at oasis pwc to stay up to date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the oasis family i hope that you enjoy this week's message let's jump in one more time give the lord a hand clap of praise I mean, he's worthy of a golf clap, too, so I, I don't know that he cares. But Oh, my goodness. I feel like I say it every week, but I'm so excited to preach tonight. I'm so excited about the Word. If uh, my note takers are here, I'm going to jump in and move real quick. We're going to be in Second Samuel, um, chapter 21 and 22. For the last couple weeks, I have been uh kind of stuck more or less in the gospel of mark just in my own reading time that's where i've been that's where we were last week in our message uh this week i was telling the worship team earlier that how many of you like you know what i'm talking about when i say the plop method what i mean by that is if you ever like you praying and you're like lord just tell me something and you go plop and you just look to see what the bible says if if y'all are more spiritual than i am but That's exactly, like, sometimes that's how it works. This week, I was praying, and I I was reading through Mark, and I was like, Lord, where where do you want us to go for Wednesday night? In all seriousness, he said, 2 Samuel, so I said, pop, (laughs) and this is exactly what jumped out at me. So, I'm super excited for the word today. My note takers, your sermon title for tonight is The Right Lane, not the wrong lane or the left lane, but The Right Lane. I'm going to read a handful of verses. They're not going to be on the screen. So if you've got your Bible with you, you're going to want to follow along, uh, pull your phone out, whatever you need to do. We're going to be in chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 7. We're going to read through verse 20. We're going to let the Word do the work. Um, Brief context, we'll, we'll really make more sense of it in a minute. But some brief context, this is King David. And he's declaring this kind of song of praise that's that's comparable to what you would see him write in the Psalms. Um, But anyway, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to read along and we're going to see where we end up. Good deal? Oh, come on. Good deal? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Verse 7, it says, In my distress I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. And from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. And this is where we're going to land for tonight. In verse 20, it says, He brought me out into a spacious place, and He rescued me because He delighted in me. The right lane. Let's pray together, and then we're going to see where we end up. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to to learn more of you, to see more of you, and to be transformed by you tonight. God, thank you for being so present in our worship. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. I ask that you would transform us tonight and encourage us, that you would be glorified in our, our conversation time tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. David writes this, like I said, Psalm-esque scripture, and it is very Poetic. Um, we we talked last week about how I've got a buddy that we just did dinner with who who has the equivalent of a, a master's degree in storytelling and how he can paint this picture and as he tells the story, it's like you're you're there, right? You're in the middle of the story that's being told. Well, David paints this picture that seems like a scene from a superhero movie. He goes as far as to say that uh, out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. It paints this this crazy picture of God fighting for him. And then verse 20, he lands in this beautiful place of, well, the Lord saved me, he rescued me, and he brought me into this new place because he delighted in me. Well, before David ever gets to this, this beautiful realization of God's goodness for him, he goes through quite a bit. So our main story from tonight is the chapter before this it's from chapter 21 and the context here let's to kind of take a brief look at David's life as a whole if you grew up in children's church or if you've ever been to a VBS ever you've probably looked at a couple different circumstances from David's life so to kind of recap real quickly where King David is at he starts off his life he's one of many sons And the guy that's king at the time starts kind of going against the Lord and doing things that he shouldn't do. So the prophet Samuel shows up at David's house because God sent him to anoint the man that would be the next king. Well, he gets there and Samuel looks at all the big brothers and all the other people and God's like, no, it ain't him and it ain't him and it sure ain't him either. Eventually he asks if there's any other sons and they have David come back out who was the shepherd who the dad didn't even think to bring him to be involved in the moment. But when David comes around the corner and the, the prophet Samuel sees him, he says, that's the guy. That's who God wants to be the next king. So then there's this beautiful moment where the prophet speaks over him and he anoints him and he's like, hey, you're going to be the king. Well, then, okay, here we are. Nothing happens. Nothing really changes. David has to go back to being uh, shepherd and everything kind of settles back into normal life until a little while later the the Israelites are in this battle with the Philistines and this is where the guy Goliath shows up. This is where the VBS kind of style moment if you grew up in church you've, you've seen the scene and David is all offended because Goliath starts shouting nonsense at the God of the Israelites and everybody's so scared of Goliath that nobody does anything about it. So David steps up, and he's like, well, if God helped me do this, this, and this, we can totally take care of this real quick. And he gets a slingshot and some stones, and sure enough, he kills Goliath. Well, he's still not king yet. There's some more time goes by, and it gets even worse because now the current king is so jealous and upset with David that things get real messy real fast. And he starts even trying to kill David at times. And to make things even more interesting, David's best friend is the current king's son. And now it feels like an episode from an ABC family TV show. Like the dynamics, the drama, all the junk is way too intense. Finally, years later, this transition has happened and and David is king and tragically his best friend has passed away and and the king is gone at this point and and everything's moved on into this like new stage of David's life. Well about halfway through this chapter that we're looking at now, 2nd Samuel chapter 21. It says that that David brought the bones of King Saul. I believe this is verse 14. He brings the bones of of Saul and his son Jonathan, and he buries them in this special place. And it's like there's this, this literal burial, like, powerful moment where everything is finally sealed. <laughs> and it's, it's this moment of, I'm here. Like, I've arrived. And maybe you've had that feeling in your own life. You finally graduated high school, and you're like, whew, I've arrived. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> or you got a, a full-time job. You're like, oh, I've arrived, I've made it. You broke up with that guy or girl that was nothing but bad business and you're like, ooh, I've arrived. Or you found the one that you wanna be with and you're like, ooh, I've arrived. Like, There's these moments in your life where you feel like you've arrived and this is kinda where David is in this moment. He's settled in his place as king and all the old stuff is behind him and here he is, he's living his best life. He has stepped into this new seen in verse 15 i'm gonna i'm gonna read a little bit of this verse in verse 15 it says once again there was a battle between the philistines and israel which is hysterical because this is where it all started for him was with goliath david went down with his men to fight against the philistines and he became exhausted everybody say exhausted one more time everybody say exhausted He's exhausted. He's so tired. He's exhausted. <laughs> He's so exhausted that what ends up happening is another Philistine giant shows up that the Bible says is a descendant of Rapha. And here's why this matters. Joker is like a cousin to Goliath. They're from the same place, born and raised, same kind of family line. David finds himself now in a situation where he's about to die at the hand of a relative of somebody he already dealt with years before. So the Bible says that this guy named Abishai comes and saves David's life and then there's this almost confrontational moment is the way that I picture it where Abishai and David's men are like we don't need you on the front line. (laughs) You've got like king things to do and if you die out here Your real job isn't going to get done. So from that point on, they tell him, you don't need to be dealing with all this. We'll deal with the front lines. We need you to do your job as the king in a way that only you can do. So then you continue on. In verse 17, David's man saves him. In verse 18, another descendant of Rapha shows up, another family member of Goliath, and another random guy shows up sometime later, and it's like they repeat the same scene, but this time David's not there. David's mighty men, they deal with it, they kill this guy, they win that battle, and we move on, and then again in verse 18, or 19 rather, it repeats itself again. Another guy shows up, still a Philistine, still from the same group, and it's just like this cycle keeps repeating. Then In verse 20, and this will be on the screen because I want you to believe that this actually is what the Bible says. Chapter 21, verses uh, 20 through 22, it says, In another battle which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And then the Bible really wants you to know there were 24 in all. He also was a descendant from Rapha. Yeah. Yeah. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan's son of however you want to say that name, David's brother, killed him. Well, these were the descendants of Rapha in Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. So David has finally stepped out of all this stuff. There's this beautiful kind of moment of like, I've arrived, I'm here, this is where we're going. And then four different guys show up that are relatives of somebody he has already dealt with. It's like the the demon that he already beat, the battle that he already beat, it keeps coming back at him, keeps messing with him. I want, I want you to hear me say tonight, you don't need to fear the old junk because the, the Lord is fighting for you. And I don't mean that in just a, a clever like pastor's statement because pastors say those things and they preach real well. Check this out. The guy that saved David's life when the first guy showed up named Abishai, his name literally translates the present of the father. So in this moment where David is about to die at the hands of something that he's already dealt with years before, the present of a father comes in and fights the battle for him. God is fighting on your behalf. he's sending family to fight on your behalf. I believe that Tonight, one of the main takeaways I want you to have when you go home is to take a deep breath and process that Abishai isn't just some goofy name in the Bible, but there literally is this this spiritual um, help coming to back you up a little bit. (laughs) The Bible says in 2 Kings that God is the God of angel armies. It's not just a clever Chris Tomlin song. It really is legit. There's a story where they're going into battle, and it's really not looking good, and the odds are not in their favor, and all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they see these angels all around them about to fight on their behalf, and it's just like a scene from Lord of the Rings. And if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, because that's what takes place is now all of a sudden we see that the actual leader of all the armies really is on our side and we can take a deep breath because this metaphorical Abishai helper, this present of the father is here for you. Well, David finally comes to terms with where he's at and the miracle that just took place because these four guys got dealt with and his life got saved in the process. And then he goes and writes the scripture that we opened up with. Verse 15 of chapter 22, it's kind of where we started. He shares this like bolts of lightning that God sent down on his behalf and arrows that scattered the attack of the enemy. He says that He, God took hold of me and pulled me out of this mess. And verse 20 says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. This word delight. It's like synonymous with the word desire. So it's not just like delight, like I delight in like dessert. Okay, this is this is a passionate desire, a a passionate longing even that God had towards David that was more than just I like him. More than just I want him to be happy or more than just I want him to be safe. But he had this deep desire for him to be taken care of. These men show up and they see David fighting this whole other battle, and Abishai and the guys fuss at him. (laughs) What are you doing? You are fighting this other mess that is no longer your responsibility. And if you die fighting a fight that's not your responsibility, nobody covers your actual responsibilities. So let me give you something to celebrate. (laughs) God as silly and as, like, backwards as this may sound, God wants you to stop fighting battles that you're not supposed to be fighting. One more time. God wants you to stop fighting battles that you're not supposed to be fighting. When I was growing up, and we're going to do it a little different tonight. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come back up. When I was growing up, I'm like the stereotype oldest sibling, and my younger siblings are in the room, so I'm just not going to look at you. Don't shout me down too much. I was a stereotype oldest sibling in that uh, I regularly got in trouble for telling my siblings what to do. I cannot tell you how many times my mom said, and I quote, they have a mom and a dad, and it ain't you. Because I genuinely, like somewhere in my head, somewhere in my thought processing, whether I realized it or not, believed that I had the authority to be in charge. I couldn't tell you where it came from. I don't have a clue what caused it. But it wasn't until later on in life that I realized that it wasn't just that I thought I had the authority to be in charge, but I thought I had the responsibility as well. I kid you not, at 14, 15 years old, I can remember intentionally staying up so that I was the last one to go to bed and walking the entire house to make sure that every door was locked, that every light was off, and that everybody was sleeping safely at like 14. Because it wasn't just that I thought I had the authority to tell them what to do. For some reason, I had accepted this thing as if I had the responsibility to protect them as well. And you know what the the funniest thing about all that is? They had a mom and a dad, (laughs) and it wasn't me. (laughs) And that wasn't my job. Literally. How many nights did I lose sleep because some backwards thought processing in my head said that I was supposed to make sure all the doors were locked? When I knew all the doors were locked, nobody goes out the basement door anyway. But every night I would always go down there and double check to make sure that the basement door was locked. But I had come to this conclusion that it was my job, but it wasn't my job. Tonight, hear me, it's not your job to fight nonsense that Jesus covered already earlier in your walk with him. Again, I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive. And for a Pentecostal culture, that like doesn't preach well because we want to know how to scream and shout at the devil and how to deal with it. Again, there's a time and a place for all of that. There really is. But I genuinely believe that there are many of us in the room that are refusing to step into the new calling because we're so distracted fighting something that he already dealt with. So when a descendant shows up, when something shows up that looks like the old mess, you jump right back into it and go into war like it's your place. It's not your place. So everybody stand with me. Here is maybe... The funniest most straight home or straightforward take home statement I have ever made. Stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> Stay in your lane. The devil has got you so distracted. Man. He's got you so torn up over past relationships. Let me get in your business a little bit. He's got you so stuck in lust and other issues. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are seated with Him in a heavenly place. The Bible, David just declared it. He picked Him up and placed Him in a spacious place because He delighted in Him. The Lord loves you. He brought you here on purpose tonight. There is a a spirit here, genuinely, of like an Abishai spirit—that is a, a, a present from the Father that says, "Hey, wait. We dealt with that over here. Don't take your eyes off of the goal. Don't take your eyes off of where you're going now to come back and fight this. Dad's gonna take care of it. God's gonna take care of it. He's not asking you to be the dad. That's not your job. Stay in your lane, bro." Let's pray together. God, thank you for who you are, and thank you for your word. Thank you for a, an, an orthodox time together and an, ordo, an, or, an orthodox word. God, I ask that you, would, that you would bring healing over every heart and every mind because we have multiple people in the room that would even say, you know, I don't feel like that my Goliath ever really got dealt with. So now I never even got to move into the next season. I never even really got to move into the next battle because I've been spending all this time dealing with that first one. God, I ask that you would bring a healing work. I ask that you would bring a restoring work. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move on our hearts and minds. Church, I want to encourage you as we sing this song again to make it a prayer and to mean it. Intently process the words that you are declaring over your life that we can that we can get away from the nonsense that we're battling and get back to the souls that need to be saved that we can get away from the anxiety and the junk that the enemy keeps throwing up at us it's so real and it hurts so bad i'm not diminishing the battle or the struggle or the junk but what i'm what i'm saying is there is a new place for you to walk in and a new season for you to live in and you cannot get there fighting old battles So I want to encourage you to find your place in the room. If you need to move, that's okay. Go for it. Where you can process and focus in and declare these words over your life.